The views expressed in this program are those of the participants and do not necessarily reflect the views of 94.9 CHRW. You know, Commander, having seen a little of the 21st century, there is one thing I don't understand. How could they have let things get so bad? That's a good question. I wish I had an answer. London. It is Thursday, November 27th, 2008. I'm Bob Metz and this is Just Right on CHRW 94.9 FM where we will be with you from now until noon. No, no, not right wing. Just right. Fade into color, color into black and white. Under the bedclothes, everything will be and welcome to the show today, and happy Thanksgiving to our American listeners south of the border. And, uh, by the way, 519-661-3600 is the, is the number to call today if you want to join in on the conversation, have a comment. Today's show is going to be a little different. We're going to carry on uh, from where we ended up last week talking about the economy, but as the show goes on, I think you'll find it gets a little lighter uh, towards the end of the show when we'll be touching upon a lot of those humorous jokes that you sent us when we asked for some uh, submissions on funny political philosophic jokes. So uh, near the end of the show, we'll do another round of the jokes on us, which will be some of the stuff that you guys have sent to us here at the station. And some of them are pretty funny, I have to admit. Also later in the show, we're going to ask you to go thank yourself. Going to celebrate something called Reasons Harvest. Expect to be joined here with a little conversation with Paul McKeever, who has taken this upon himself as a personal little annual celebration. It seems to be catching on. We'll tell you more about that later. Also going to be talking about principles. No principles, please. It's amazing how people uh, allow their self-interest to become something that causes guilt in them and then they abandon principle because of that. I want to demonstrate that because of something that happened to me earlier this week. And of course we're going to be talking about bailout, 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 bailout. That's the first subject. Uh, everywhere you see it, you're just talking about bailout. But before I get into that, I just wanted to, I meant to ma- mention this a couple weeks ago. really should have. Um, as many of you know, I, I get involved not just on this station, but on other television stations, on other radio stations, and with other media people from time to time. We'll be touching on that a little later. But I did want to mention that uh, my good friend and fellow broadcaster Jim Chapman, of course, is back on the air over at AM Radio 980, and I sincerely want to welcome him back into the broadcasting arena. Personally, I kind of knew he couldn't stay away for too long. But he's over there at Radio 98. And it's interesting, you know, I look at the, uh, for, 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 for those of you who are talk show junkies, which sort of is my category of radio listening, uh, there's a lot of competition in local talk radio here in the city of London. We seem to go from feast to famine, I remember at one point. Uh, actually, that was when Jim was over at CKSL and they took him off the air. I don't think there was a talk show locally. I'm sure there's plenty around nationally and, and out of other cities. But locally, there wasn't really a talk show that you could talk in, to, you know, call in locally on a local level. But for talk show junkies in the city now, I mean, during the morning week hours of 9 to noon, you've got Andy Udman and Sean Array over at CJBK. You've got Jeff MacArthur and Jim Chapman over at Radio 98. And, of course, between the hours of 11 and noon, the talk show choices increase thanks to CHRW's feedback series, of which this show, Just Right, is the Thursday edition. Now, 
As many of you know, Jim Chapman is perhaps one of the main people who played a role which eventually led to my being here right now doing this show. And uh, those of you who listen to our broadcasts of left, right, and center over the years, both at CJBK and then later here right at CHRW, will know that Jim and I, with respect to the issues, were clearly in general agreement on many, but also there were almost as many issues on which we disagreed, though we seem to speak of them maybe on a less frequent nature. Quite a few of Jim's broadcasts, and I've got to say on the issue of the economy and bailouts, um, Jim's sounding a little left-wing to me. He's making every classic mistake that we reviewed on last week's show. I certainly support him on the stuff he's been saying about the city trying to get rid of the border control and things like that. But what, when he starts talking about bailing out the auto industry, I think he's making some of the classic errors that uh, a lot of people are making. It's certainly hot in the news today. And, uh, you know, you hear it. I'm not, not picking on Jim. A lot of people are saying it. I understand the, the emotion and the and and boy is it emotional as we'll, we'll get into later. But uh, listen to Jim and he thinks that we should get out and spend to stimulate the economy, which I think is making that classic error of assuming that consumers are what stimulate the economy, which was pointed out to us by the many wise uh, voices of the past that we did on last week's show. By the way, if you missed last week's show, I really recommend uh, you check that one out on uh, our website, which of course is justrightmedia.org, where you'll find all the... Uh, you know, a complete archive of all our past shows. Last week it did something different, didn't didn't refer to any current newspapers, anything like that. I talked, uh, I read the ideas and comments of people who've been through these meltdowns before, from uh, the 1890 uh, Depression area to uh, 1929, and, and what, what they did back then. I think it's worth listening to, because boy, is it a lesson. But... Uh, you know, the argument you're hearing is that you have to bail out the big car companies, and not just because of the jobs that they, they represent, but because of the jobs in many businesses dependent on the car industry, like parts manufacturing and the like. And, yeah, they also depend on those industries. But, again, I think this is the classic error of putting jobs first in the hierarchy of business production rather than the production and the product itself. As I commented last week, I mean, we've got no shortage of cars in our economy. Do we? Is there a lineup for cars? We have a shortage of many other things into which capital should be allowed to flow. heard an interesting comment with regard to that just this morning. Apparently someone, I don't know, it might have been on the radio, I heard someone tell someone that, uh, you know, they'd given up on the car industry They're gonna because they work in it now, and you, by gosh, instead of working in this industry, they're going to go and take up the profession of being a nurse. And I'm thinking great. We need nurses. We don't need more cars. You know, and there's a perfect example <laughs> of how the economy would fix itself and let capital flow into areas where we actually need the service. But of course, people are saying, no, forget the nurse. Let's keep those car workers going because that's what we're used to. The car industry is the bedrock of this province, says Jim Chapman, after hearing U U.S. President Bill Clinton also supports the idea of saving the car industry, of course. While I could even contest that remarkable claim, since the government's spending on Ontario's car industry over the years might suggest that rather than a bedrock, uh, the industry could have been a millstone around the necks of Ontarians who are not in the car industry. Think about the damage that the union wages of the car industry have done to everybody else. They've artificially raised them for everybody. Maybe we'd all be better off um, 
people think wages is, is how you gain wealth. It's not. You, you gain wealth by pr production. You, your wages could stay the same all your life as long as production went up. As we demonstrated last week, you're, you could be doubling your pay every year without a pay increase if you went by a more capitalist way of doing things. But I'm not even going to go there. What if it was a horse and buggy industry that was the bedrock of the province? Would we argue to keep our capital flowing into that industry just because it employed the most people in an economic sector? I mean, there are other car producers, and there's nothing stopping an entirely new auto manufacturer, unencumbered by loans and outrageous pensions, from being able to you know, carry on and produce cars. In fact, I think you're hearing a little bit more common sense. It's amazing there is another side to this issue. I'm not alone anymore. Yay! Uh, there are other people who understand that bailouts are not the answer. And uh, some of them say it's it's just throwing, uh, you know, good money after bad. Well, I don't think you throw good money after good money either. <laughs> if, the, if the money's good, in other words, if the company's doing well, then it doesn't need your money. The only time governments even get involved is when they're throwing good money after bad. That's what they're there for. Everything they do is throwing good money after bad. Otherwise, it wouldn't be needed. Now... Of course, you heard Jim on this very show, too. You heard him talking about being pragmatic and thinking that that's the way to go, that pragmatism is, is the way to go, which I think is sort of sadly true, but also quite consistent with his stand on the economy and I guess with his past political candidacy for the John Tory socialist conservatives. Another person who's come out of his pragmatic closet is Canada's Prime Minister Stephen Harper, who left no doubt about his pragmatism when he announced in Parliament, quote, we have to be pragmatic and not ideological on deficit spending, which was something he was against during his so-called ideological days, whenever they might have been. Now, the irony of these statements that, you know, we've got to be pragmatic and not ideological is that those statements are very ideological. Don't kid yourself. Pragmatism is like a disguise. It's, it's always one of two things. Either it's just ideology in disguise, and the person doesn't want to tell you that they're being ideological, so they say they're being pragmatic, or something even worse, a total abandonment of principle in favor of expediency. As, as I put on the title of our show a couple of weeks ago, pragmatism is just an expedient word for expedience. <laughs> uh, and uh, so that's all it really is, and it's an abandonment of principle. If, in fact, you know, it's a little bit as if the leaders around the world tuned into my show last week, heard what they should not be doing, and they decide, then decided, well, this is what we got to do. we got to do everything he said not to do. And it's like the past week has been this laboratory demonstration of every single error made by politicians during the past economic crisis and bailouts and things like that. You know, I had a fascinating experience on how people think about the economy and their own role in it this past Tuesday when I was... Uh, the first caller on Andy Udman's show over at CJBK, and I started a controversy, which I'll have to get into a little bit later in the show. I want to talk less about that controversy than about what people were saying about themselves with respect to, for example, shopping south of the border. It was fascinating. But first, uh, I just wanted to summarize sort of where I stand on all of the, you know, make this a, a real quick summary of what I've been saying over the past few weeks. Uh, don't need to justify it in detail anymore because I think you can get all that online. But just quickly, these are, I'd call these my quick conclusions and summaries. First of all, no politician knows what's going on in the economy, and mostly politicians are a critical cause of the problem. Look at these headlines I've just pulled out of the free press the last couple of days. Spending seen as painkiller. Yeah, well, you can kill pain with heavy-duty drugs and stuff like that, but you aren't curing, curing the disease. 
you know, critics fear PM using meltdown to cut spending. Now, that's that's one of the funniest headlines I've seen in a while, um, that you have to use a meltdown to justify cutting government spending. And until then, you have to continue to spend no matter what. Well, what does that say? That's a tremendously revealing uh, story. Probably get into something on that later. My second point is bailouts do not help. They hurt. They prevent the repair of the industry or of banking or of the emergence of new industry to which the bailout capital would have naturally flowed without the government intervention. And that's just a fact of economics, and it's, I know it's got to do with the visible versus the invisible. You can see all those visible car jobs right now. What you can't see is all the invisible jobs, like that person becoming a nurse. Instead of working in the car field, you can't see the future that uh, companies like Toyota and Sony and all of them are doing. They're building robots now, folks. They're still building cars, but they're getting into robots, and we're talking about robots that look like people. Uh, I talked about all that on the show, too. So we've got a whole change in the economy coming up. And, you know, you, here's, a, here's a perfect example of something I disagree with, which appeared in the headline of the Free Press, Norman de Bono, uh, automakers in crisis, quote, cost of loan package less than that of doing nothing. Well, I disagree. I think it's more than that of doing, quote, nothing. You're not doing nothing when you sit back and you let the industry fix itself. That's not doing nothing. That, in fact, is, takes a lot of uh, restraint and understanding and discipline. And, in fact, you're caring about the industry more than the rest are. Um, I, I just think all you're doing is extending the pain. Just like the headlines say, spreading the pain. Isn't that nice? Like, why do they want to spread the pain? What kind of crazy person goes around spreading pain? Oh, you're in pain. I better give that guy over there some pain, too. That's exactly how they think. And then you wonder, you know, why things don't get better. If you want your kids to live in a better society and, and it, you know, to be self-sufficient, to not be dependent on government, these things have to be avoided. Otherwise, they'll be supporting Ford, Chrysler, and who knows what into their old age. So... This is nonsense to even be thinking like this. It's Capitalism means you let businesses fail when they fail. Now, yes, the government's responsible for a lot of things. Yes, the government interve intervenes. But that's a lesson we've got to learn, too, isn't it? As taxpayers and voters, we should know better. And, of course, number four, which should be number one, but I'll put it there anyway, it's immoral and unjust to transfer money from the productive to the nonproductive. Point finale. I think that, uh, number five, efforts to encourage consumerism or to shop locally only feed protectionist thinking and are totally hypocritical. I think 90% of Canada's production is exported, pretty close. So when we start talking shop local, if our customers around the world start talking like that, we're out of business, you know. So how, hypocrit how hypocritical is that? And I want to, you know, deflation, by the way, is not falling prices, as I've heard so many business advisors and commentators keep saying. Don't be afraid of low prices. Low prices can be good, especially if they're created by competition and efficiency. And, of course, the cause of our economic woes are credit expansion and paper money, government spending, government loans, etc. And, as I say, there is no shortage of cars. Government's an institution of force. Let's not forget that. It's there to ensure justice. The proper role of government is to prevent the initiation of force by some against others, and when they intervene in the marketplace, they violate that principle. That's unjust, it's wrong, and it's that lack of morality that God is here in the first place. So when we come back after this quick break, I want to talk about what I mean when I say, no principles, please. I thought you didn't want to get involved. We've changed our minds. Glad to hear it. 
We can use all the help we can get. This place is about to explode. Most of us agreed to live here because they promised us jobs. I don't know about you, but I haven't been on any job interviews lately. And neither has anyone else. They've forgotten about us. So what do we do? We make them remember. But being unemployed is not that bad. And looking for work's fun, you know? The best part about looking for work is the job ads they put in the newspaper, right? That's the best. Anytime I get an interview with a company, I take the job ad right out of the classified section, you know? So I'm prepared for the interview for when they ask me, why should we hire you for that job? I'm like, well, I have a winning attitude. I thrive in a fast-paced environment. Not only will you find that I'm details-oriented and dynamic, but I can think outside the box. I've got strong written, verbal, and interpersonal communication skills. Why, I'm a self-starter. Have you read this? I'm perfect for this job. So I'm still looking for work. <laughs> Welcome back. You're listening to Just Right on CHRW 94.9 FM, where we will be with you from now until noon. No principles, please. You know, I, I, I listen to people talking about, yeah, I believe in principle. And you know what the next word usually is? But. And that just cancels out the first half of the sentence. And the reason, I think, is that most people really wouldn't recognize a valid principle if it hit them in the head, which is exactly what's happening with this economic crisis. 99% of people who tell you they support a particular principle are just, I think, full of hot air, as I will explicitly demonstrate momentarily, based on a very interesting experience I had this past Tuesday. Uh, when people's internal morality of self-interest starts conflicting with the publicly preached morality of altruism, it's fascinating to watch their logic disintegrate as they attempt to sound altruistic in their nothing but selfish motives. And I heard person after person after person do this earlier on Tuesday because of the, the economic issue. And I think it's because people have been conditioned to feel guilty about acting in their own self-interest and that it is... You know, it's on that guilt that the world leaders and despots can always exploit. They can always exploit that for their for their own interests. Um, you know, as one past famous writer whose name currently escapes me said something like, uh, "quote Politics is merely a conflict of interests masquerading themselves as principles," and you sh you sure can see that. It's not just at the political level. You hear that at the voter and individual level as well. Now, of all the issues that get passions of people up. Economic issues I've discovered top the list each and every time, even though they don't, don't always appear to be that on the surface. I've been more or less politically active for over 20 years on every issue from abortion to human rights commissions and racism to constitutional issues and fundamental rights. Uh, yet the single most emotional issue I've ever confronted in my whole career was, believe it or not, Sunday shopping which, of course, had to do with commerce being conducted on a Sunday. And I couldn't believe all the name-calling threats and moral judgments thrown my way, you know, that I'd never experienced before with respect to any other issues. And most of that came from conservatives. If only I had a copy of a radio show I did in Brantford way back when we were still, when I was touring the province for uh, Freedom Party's Yes to Freedom of Choice and Sunday Shopping campaign. 
Uh, unfortunately, I couldn't get a copy of that show, but boy, did I learn how mean and mean-spirited listeners can be when you're telling them something that, you know, that, that they strongly disagree with. And it's always something economic, even though they'll tell you, oh, it's religious or it's this or that. No, it's not. You can say a lot of things religious. Economics is where it counts. So I guess I shouldn't have been so surprised by the action and reaction of CJBK's Andy Utman this past Tuesday, on which I was a first caller and on which the show ended with the following words from Andy Utman. It kind of surprised me. And here's how he ended the show. I was already off the air for quite a while. He says, quote, Bob, referring to me, I forgive you for calling me outrageously stupid. You're an outrageously faithful radio listener, and I thank you for that. We can have con- candid discussions, but name-calling doesn't help. Please call again. We'll chat, that kind of thing. Now, this is all very lighthearted, and he was having fun, but I don't really think I owe Andy an apology. I haven't had a chance to tell him that yet, but I will. And what got me going was something that got Andy going yesterday, and he was talking to another caller, apparently. I missed that part, and that caller's name just happened to be Robert, which was incidental. And he says to him, and apparently Robert told him he's going to the U.S. to go buy some turkey. It's, of course, the Thanksgiving uh, weekend in in, uh, in the U.S. right now. And they were selling turkey down there for, I think, 59 cents a pound or something like that. So Andy says to Robert, he says, Robert, if you're listening, God bless you. I know you're driving down the 402 with your family. You're going to have a nice day out. You're going to buy turkey for 59 cents a pound. And then he says to him, Robert, with all due respect, I think you're stealing from the rest of us. And then he talks about how Robert's call really set him off, and he has friends who went over to the States, etc., etc. Of course, now that gets me going, too. When I hear somebody, a completely innocent person, being accused of something that serious, stealing has a moral implication to it. It's not, it's not a lighthearted statement, I don't think. But what was interesting was what Andy said his friends tell him about shopping south of the border. And here were some of the comments he relayed, which just, to me, belied everything he said after that. And he says, you know, they tell him, Andy, do you know how much better they treat you across the border? Do you know how much better service you get? They smile. They do anything they can to make you feel good. Which is interesting, because those were the very words used by Dr. Williams on our show last week in demonstrating how capitalism means the difference between rape and seduction. You know, capitalism, socialism. And he used those very words, you know. It's a win-win situation under capitalism. You feel good. Both both people walk away feeling good. And then Andy talks about how golfers he talks to go to American golfing services, tell them that they get half the price at twice the service. And he says he hears that all the time. So, by gosh, you shouldn't be going down there. You should stay up here and get half the service for twice the price. And, uh, you know, they talk about variety. He just talked about all the things that, that the people who go shopping in the States tell him are the reasons that they go. So basically, you know, I just called him up and I said I didn't know whether I could take him seriously or anything like that, and I said, and I quote, I cannot believe you're saying that Robert's money belongs to you. That's just so outrageously stupid, I can't believe you're being serious about it. And from then on, of course, Andy thought I called him outrageously stupid, but even if I believed that, that somebody else's money belonged to me, that would still be a stupid idea. It's immoral, too. I could have used a lot lot worse words. I think I was being kind of low-key and kind because people are just afraid to say what, you know, the emperor wears no clothes kind of thing. But what was more interesting was I had to, it was a fascinating program because I listened to the rest of the callers during the hour, and they all called in whether they were pro or con, uh, you know, shopping in the States. And it was just amazing how many of them basically um, defied their own statements, you know, like... Um, 
one fellow named Herbert calls in. He says, your principle of, you know, staying home and shopping here in Canada, I totally agree with. And he says, I want to buy local, but at one, when it comes down to buying a camera or some big ticket item when I can save 100 or $200, it's my money, I made it. If we all shop there, maybe the prices will come down. Well, now the second half of this person's comment is the accurate one. That is great. He's right. He says, it's his money, he made it. If he wants to shop there, he can. He shouldn't be feeling guilty about feeling that way. And that's exactly what's going on. People want, you know, people who want your money, other people's money, always want to make the people whose money it actually belongs to feel guilty about having it. And, uh, you know, it's, all, it's also, you hear, I heard this over and over and over and over again. Um, all the callers calling, and yeah, I agree with your principle that we should shop here, except... I agree with your principle, principle that we should shop here, except, and it was just on and on and all the rationalizations why, why they should be getting the money. So you get the general idea about uh, the emotions that were involved. And, of course, there were some people that said, uh, you know, they're too poor to even go across the border and take advantage of some of the, the deals you can get down there. And, of course, it's not really worth making that trip unless you're making a purchase large enough to cover your, your gas expenses or whatever. But if you live in Sarnia or Windsor or any of the border cities, man, you can save lots of money just by popping over the border. And I used to do that myself way back in the 70s. So uh, I don't think anyone's being, uh, you know, unloyal to their country. Remember, our business people, the people who do business in Canada, have to be able to trade in the United States and sell their goods there, because otherwise they, could, they couldn't stay in business here. And that's the whole funny thing about it. Now, got a, got a clip coming up here now next, and this clip is leading into our next subject, which will be about celebrating what we do have, because of course uh, the day after Thanksgiving Day is called Black Friday when traditionally, I don't know how, how true it is this year, that's the day when most people in the retail business you know, go from red into the black in terms of their income statements and things like that. And of course uh, it's one of the biggest shopping days of the year. Now you know, while some people are complaining about you going shopping south of the border and think you should shop here instead of there or shop there instead of there or shop with them instead there are other people out there who think you shouldn't be shopping at all and those are the people who are into this thing called buy nothing day and so we're going to play a five minute clip here which was actually uh, it's a year old interview from last year's buy nothing day and this is an interview that was actually aired on cnn originally and which appears on adbusters.com which is the website that actually promotes buy nothing day so if you want to check that out you can go to www.adbusters.com slash campaigns and you'll find it there along with a lot of other weird and strange irrational thinking but i think you might have some fun with this particular clip and then we'll be back after for a totally different look at the same situation ah, black friday is almost gone but if you think everyone was in the shopping mood today think again there's a growing movement aimed at buying less or as this ad points out nothing at all the average north american consumes five times more than a mexican ten times more than a Chinese person and thirty times more than a person from India we are the most voracious consumers in the world a world that could die because of the way we North Americans live give it a rest November 26 is buy nothing day 
Now the group behind the ad is urging a boycott on shopping for the entire holiday season. The man behind the drive is Kale Lawson, editor-in-chief of Adbusters magazine. He joins us live from Vancouver, British Columbia. Welcome. Yes, hi. I, I should point out that the ad you just saw, uh, we were not uh, able to buy any airtime on MTV, Fox, ABC, NBC or CBS for that ad. Well, why do you think that is? Because I think that uh, uh, they want to generate as much consumption as they can during the Christmas shopping season and they don't like dissenting voices like this coming on. No, we make our money off of advertisements, so we want the money too. But yes. do you really think portraying consumers as pigs is an effective way to get people to stop buying? so much? Yes, I think so. Uh, this Buy Nothing Day that we started uh, back in 1992, it's had a meteoric rise uh, and it is now celebrated in 65 countries around the world. So today in the, in the United States of America, when millions of people were going uh, and, and shopping like crazy, there were a few million other people around the world who didn't buy a single thing. Oh, it's so hard to believe. Kali, I mean, Black Friday is like a tradition. People love to go out on this day and shop. We absolutely yeah, but, love it. Why do you want them to quit but, shopping? But think about it. After this very spiritual holiday of uh, Thanksgiving, why is it that our culture is somehow then requiring us to go out the next day and, and, and max out on our credit cards and, 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 and buy probably more than we need to buy? I, I think that uh, what those people who, those millions of people who went shopping today, I think what they're missing is they don't quite understand the consequences of, of their consumption because overconsumption has ecological consequences. Uh, you know that uh, uh, overconsumption is in some sense the, the mother of all our environmental problems. Oh come on, environmental problems? Yes, environmental problems. Uh, every single purchase that you make has some kind of an impact on the planet and, uh, and we, the, the rich one billion of the uh, people on the planet, are now consuming 86% of all the, the goods in the global marketplace, leaving a, a lousy 14% for the rest of the 5 billion people on the planet and then we wonder why it has ecological psychological and, and political consequences. I believe that overconsumption in, in the rich countries of the world is one of the root causes of, of terrorism. I believe that this huge inequity, 86% for the rich people, 14 for the poor. If somebody wants to buy their kid an Elmo doll, what's the harm in that? Well, yeah, I mean, you make it sound so nice, but you know, if we, if we consume 86% and we leave only 14% for the rest of the 5 billion people, on the planet, how do you think that makes them feel? What about, I mean, forget about our kids, what about their kids? Well, I, I can understand that sentiment perfectly, but, 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 but buy nothing, wouldn't that destroy the American economy? Well, yes, I think that if we suddenly all stop buying, then of course it would uh, hurt the economy, but only in the short term. Uh, you have to think about the long-term consequences of the kind of uh, business culture that we have built up. I mean, our uh, global economic system is now uh, uh, producing climate change, we're running out of oil, the, the, the fish in the Atlantic are starting to disappear, the, here in the Pacific Northwest where I live, uh, the salmon runs are drying up, and I think that in some way we are actually living off the backs of our own children. We're living off the backs of future generations if we continue to... to somehow, to, to somehow, Kali, although it all sounds nice and politically correct, I, I just don't think people will stop buying for that particular reason. Maybe if you said, oh, you know, the holiday season is meant to be with your family and the sharing of generosity and love and not consumerism, maybe that would work better. No, I, I think that uh, a lot of people just need to wake up to the ecological, psychological and, and political consequences of this 
opulent kind of a hyperactive lifestyle that we've built up here. You know that uh, right after the Second World War, uh, we only consumed very frugally and, and we have increased our consumption by 300%. The, the average consumer today consumes three times more than the average consumer did uh, right after the Second World War. We got a lot ago. more money. Out. And you know, Carly yeah, Lawson, we yeah, got a lot more money, but our happiness has not gone up. Not even well, by I would 1%. hope that that's not true. Carly Lawson, thank you for joining us tonight. We appreciate it. Yes. Adios. <laughs> Adios. Stop. weekend is a time when Americans are supposed to count their blessings. We in the Western world have been abundantly blessed with prosperity and freedom. Many people may be thankful in their own way, but do the overwhelming majority of United States, Canadian, Australian, and British citizens recognize and acknowledge the true source of their prosperity and blessings and freedoms? Do they truly thank the Creator God and Jesus Christ for their benefits? Will the sin of ingratitude lead to national decay and destruction? Stay tuned. And you were back with Just Right on CHRW 94.9 FM. 519-661-3600 is the number to call. What you just heard was the opening of a YouTube video produced by my guest who's joining us. Are you there, Paul? I am. Go thank yourself, Bob. Oh, well, thank you, Paul. <laughs> and you can see this video for yourself at www.reasonsharvest.com. And uh, it's created a little bit of a stir. A lot of people have been watching it. And I think Paul has started his own little uh, holiday here, annual holiday, which actually began last year. You want to tell us a little bit about it? I'm joined here with by Paul McKeever, who you all know, regular listeners know, who is the leader of Freedom Party. But this is also his... His personal statement, a little personal thing he did last uh, year, and it kind of got started catching on. Tell us about it, Paul. Yeah, it, well, last year, uh, basically, I said, you know, we really need to celebrate, uh, you know, reason itself. Reason is what makes production possible, production of all those things that make life and happiness possible on Earth. And um, so rather than just going around thanking um, mystical gods on, on Thanksgiving, I thought, why not take advantage of the most... Uh, you know, uh, uh, commercial day of the year, the, the day on which people buy the most, and remind everybody that we're also producing all year round to make that consumption possible. And what makes that, that production possible is the rational mind. M man's mind is what makes everything possible. It's what makes knowledge possible. No, no other source of knowledge is available to man but his rational mind. And so when we go out there and we work as hard as we can during that Reasons Harvest Day, that day following the U.S. Thanksgiving, so Black Friday. Uh, we produce as much as we can that day, and then we spend like crazy on the things we love, the material values that we, that we love. And maybe we buy them for our friends or, or our family, uh, but they, we buy them with the uh, knowledge and with the, the happiness that you know, humanity, human minds, rational thought went into the production and packaging and marketing of all this stuff, and we should really be proud of it. Uh, and proud of the, not only the consumption, but the production and what the, the mind makes possible. And so we say, go thank yourself as a seasoned uh, greeting on Reasons Harvest uh, to remind people that, you know, they're doing it for themselves. They've got themselves to thank for a whole year's worth of 
productive effort. Well, this brings, there is a comment made in the opening clip there, which you included in your YouTube video, where they talked about the sin of ingratitude. Right. Now, of course, that is, uh, of course, on a, on a more, um, I guess you could say, uh, symbolic level. But is there something similar to, to that, quote, sin of ingratitude when one, does that actually occur when one is not aware of the source of one's uh, benefits and blessings kind of thing? You know what I'm saying? Well, and certainly in my code of ethics it is. I mean, you should be aware of the fact that what made uh, that produce, those products, that turkey on your table, that wine in your glass, all possible was nothing other than the human mind applying itself to the knowledge uh, that's available on this earth and, uh, you know, agriculture, uh, making wine, uh, knowing how to farm and, and produce enough turkeys for everyone. That all became... Yeah, but can you someone thought about it. <laughs> yeah, but can you produce them at 59 cents a pound? <laughs> <laughs> Across the border to buy them. Right. You can with your, you know, your premium gasoline tugging away in your eight-cylinder engine comfortably along the 401. You know, I think it's a great time to celebrate uh, and not to be, you know, like this fella who's uh, out west in Vancouver saying, you know, buy nothing day. My goodness. My goodness, he, he's looking at consumption and forgetting that consumption is the result of production. And that consumption, when he talks about, you know, what was it, 86% of all the, the production is being consumed by uh, North Americans, well, who does he think is making that production? That's human, that's, it's not just growing from trees. There aren't Chevys growing from, on trees in Africa. And that's why, of course, nobody's just taking them off the tree in Africa and driving them. Uh, they're being made right here in North America, and we're driving them in North America. We're producing for ourselves. And nobody on any part of this planet is prohibited, except by violence or bad government, from doing the exact same thing. If someone in, in Africa uh, who is supporting a, a military junta or military government um, is unable to uh, you know, just drive to work and have a coffee in the morning and have a peaceful life under a, under a warm uh, and, or cool in the hot, hot day uh, house, well, you know what? They have no one to blame but themselves. They certainly can't blame North Americans for doing the moral thing, and that is reasoning, thinking, producing what they need to survive rather than stealing, robbing, and using violence to you know, murder your way into another day of life, which is what's going on in far too much of the world. Now, you're not telling people just to go out and buy something uh, for the same reason that we hear a lot of the other panic buying going on now, right now. You know, go out there and stimulate the economy. That's not really the primary no, intent of what you're doing, is it? Not at all. In, in, in fact, the, the consumption part is really just the symbolic of the, uh, of the consumption, of the, what the mind made possible. So, you know, I'm, I'm suggesting that when you consume, uh, maybe try out some new things, some new inventions, but also even on the simplest things. Like I, I went to the cottage one day, and I didn't have any uh, pepper grinder with me, so I went to the, the grocery store, and there was this pepper grinder that contained pepper. It was a plastic throwaway, you know, recyclable, whatever it was. You could, in one, for like a low price, you'd have one container, carryable anywhere, have the pepper grinder built right into the package that you're buying the pepper in. Wonderful. Someone's mind came up with that and made it available at a low price. I couldn't get that in the middle of, you know, Timbuktu, but in the middle of, an, of a thriving economy where people are thinking and producing, I can get this stuff and my life becomes simpler and better. And that's what I think people need to remember, that we ought to be really proud of what our minds and our efforts have produced, and that's what this is really about. It's the production. The consumption is just proof of our efficacy, our, our ability to think and reason and live on Earth and become happy as a result. 
Now, if, what can people do? How can they get involved in this little celebration of yours? What is there that they could possibly do to get involved and maybe, you know, carry well, on on their own? Well, we've got a number of uh, websites that they can go to. They can go to Reasons Harvest. That's there's no apostrophe or anything in that, or mm -hmm. no spaces. Just Reasons Harvest. R e i sorry R e a s o n s h a r v e s t dot com. And uh, there's a whole there's a whole bunch of stuff there. You can get a you can pick up a t-shirt stencil there and iron it on your t-shirt. You can um, watch the video from 2007 where I was uh, celebrating Reasons Harvest. And by the way, by the way, that video is truly an entertainment, um, both because it's so unusual in terms of what you've done and what you do. We're going to be playing a clip of that when when we come out of this. But uh, didn't mean to interrupt you there. Just want to give that oh, no. that one a plug. Carry on. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. And yeah. and, and that's the that's the wonderful thing of it. I mean. You, and you'll notice in the video I was picking some of the hot-button items, not because I was necessarily trying to push someone's face into it, but because, I, you know, I really love bottled water. I love a cigar. And, and uh, you know, nobody's saying, hey, you're going to you know, cost the socialized medical system money by making yourself less than optimally healthy. It's going to tell me uh, to, to, you know, go without so that they can, uh, you know, take my money and spend it on someone other than me. Uh, socialized medicine is the problem, not my consumption of a bottle of water. And I'm telling people this year, uh, if they're working on a low budget and they they don't have the money necessarily to buy the big ticket items or the or all of the things they would love to have, then maybe uh, treat yourself to something that's deeply meaningful. And I can think of no less expensive and deeply meaningful product this year to buy than really. You won't believe this. It might sound odd, but a bottle of water. Uh, <laughs> Because it is the target of the worldwide effort against capitalism, against the human mind. And if you're carrying a bottle of water tomorrow on Reasons Harvest, you will be basically saying that you're proud of the human mind and proud of production. You like convenience. You like uh, the, 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 you know, the clean water, the guaranteed clean water that you get in a, in a bottle, unlike the lead-filled stuff that often comes out of our pipes. So... I can think of no better way, if you're on a limited budget, than to buy something small like that. A bottle of water is great. Uh, you know, a, a cigar. Don't smoke it in someone else's place against their will. But, you know, outside, have, have a smoker in your sure. own home or in your own vehicle. Um, uh, or if you've got more money, go out there and get the stuff you've been waiting to buy all year and you've just been, you know. But not because you're supporting the economy. Not because you're doing it for anybody else. It's because of you, your own happiness, and it's a reward for your own hard work. If you're a student... Of course, you might not have a job. You might be working off of savings. Or your parents might be paying, but you're doing the hardest work of all. You're you're training your mind. Hopefully, you're sifting through that you know that crapola that some of some of your professors are showing you, or uh, hoping that you'll buy. And you're you're finding the gems that will guide you through your entire life. And that's hard work. And you should be rewarding yourself for that, even in the smallest of ways. That bottle of water. That that uh, oh go go get a Starbucks coffee and just prance around with the with the brand uh, take that Naomi Klein okay <laughs> <laughs> just just rub it into the faces of all those people who think that we're being pigs by going out and being consumers eh? that's right and let's not say they're reactionaries they're reacting sure. to the most you know the, the the wealth the harvest of reason that happens uh, at, at this time every year and they're they're actually out to defeat it and so I think we have to take pride in what we already have uh, don't let these reactionaries steal your happiness your productivity, your your uh, your wealth from you well, by guilt. Well, thank you, Paul. Give us that give us that website again. It's uh, reasonsharvest.com. Yep. Also, if you're on uh, the mm -hmm. uh, Facebook group, you can go to I celebrate 
Reasons Harvest. There's a group there. There's about 100 people this year so far on that site alone who will be, who will be celebrating Reasons, Har- Reasons Harvest. This is the first year in which uh, other people even know about it because, of course, last year it was just a personal holiday for myself. So it's, it's really taking off. This guy thinks uh, over 15 years he's managed to get about, what, millions of people around the globe. I can't help but believe we're going to double or triple that <laughs> uh, in the sa- if given the same amount of time. Well, listen, we'll let it go there, and we're going to play a clip from your, from your uh, video you made last year. And in the meantime, I want to thank you for uh, joining us on the show. And, of course, a reminder to go thank yourself at and go thank yourself, Bob. Yeah, <laughs> at ReasonsHarvest.com. Thanks, Paul. Take care. We'll see you later. Bye now. And now we'll take a break. And when we come back after this break, and you're going to hear Paul doing a bit of shopping around last year on his Reasons Harvest video here. But when we come back, some of those uh, clever little jokes and humorous anecdotes you sent us when we asked for them. Back after this quick break. Hello. It's my new toy. And I'm here to purchase some tanning hours. Okay. Hey, you. How's it going? Not too bad. I got my video camera here. Oh, my God. <laughs> Thanks a lot for embarrassing me. Yeah, I know. Well, I'm celebrating a very special day of the year. Everyone knows it as uh, Reasons Harvest. And on, okay. yes, it's the day when we celebrate being wealthy and making a lot of money. Excellent. Yeah. And very so good. we go out and we buy things for ourselves. Sweet. To make ourselves happy. Yes. And so. You can't buy happiness, you know. Oh, yes, you can. No, you can't. In fact, you can't, you can't have happiness without buying it, or trading for it, at least. Mm-hmm. So I would like to buy your biggest tan package. Let's see what you got over here. Let's see. You've got 500, 500 minutes. minutes for 140. You got a deal for me? That is your deal. That is my deal? Yes. Oh, I'm so sorry. You know... Well, let's see what we have here first. Okay. Now, you know, on uh, Reasons Harvest, mm-hmm. we have a saying. Everybody has a saying. It's supposed to say. And it's, go thank yourself. You say it loud and proud. Oh, go thank you. yourself. Go thank yourself. Go thank yourself. <laughs> I love it. Okay. So what are we going to do? You're going to sell me 143 minutes? Oh, no. Sell you 500 minutes. 500 minutes for $143. Yes. I would gladly pay for that. And it's going to make my skin healthy. And glowing. And glowing. Yes. And it will be just great for vitamin D, right? Excellent for vitamin D, yes. And look at all these products you've got up here that people can buy. And these aren't cheap products, these and are just great products, we're getting right? We're going to lots of nuance in the next week or two as well. Is that right? Yeah. Right on. Well, let's get me in there. And I have your favorite bed available. Which is? Number eight. <laughs> For 19 minutes. <laughs> and here are some of my friends at my favorite sushi place. Oh, yeah. Look at that wonderful that. food and the prices Thank are great. Thank you. My there you go. This is random right now. <laughs> <laughs> Happy shopping day. Oh, yeah. What do I, I'm calling it Reasons Harvest today. Oh, okay. And I'm telling everybody, go thank yourself. So in other words, go out and buy yourself something good and be happy. Yeah. Like some sushi, for example. Right. <laughs> okay, thank you, have Paul. a good day. Tell me, what, tell me what the total is there, pal. 36.45. There you go. Hey guys! Hey! Welcome to HMV! So, this is called, what's it called? Reasons Harvest. Reasons Harvest. Right. And I've just got a recruit for next year. Uh, November 23rd, I'll be there. That's right. Spending my money. Or whatever the day is after the American Thanksgiving. Okay. Yeah, right on. And we're going to make as much as we possibly can that day. Yeah. And we're going to buy as much as we possibly can. Okay. Right? Can I spend more than I make? Yes, but you've got to, you've got to enlist at least five friends for next year. Okay, done. Done. I already have friends. <laughs> Maybe even ten. 
Uh, I'm feeling good, folks. I got on a vitamin program, and I was buying some vitamins the other day, and I see you can buy vitamins for anything. You can actually buy vitamins that'll increase your intelligence. They're called smart drugs. But I don't think they should call them smart drugs. It's going to send the wrong impression, especially the older folk. You know, little Johnny come home late one night, the old man be waiting up for him. All right, where are you tonight? You're two hours late. Well, Father, if you insist, I was attending a symposium with some of my colleagues. We were discussing the fall of communism in Eastern Europe and how it's affected the socio-economic fabric of the Western world. <laughs> what are you, stoned? <laughs> I think you almost have to be stoned to talk about politics these days, eh? Uh, now, the joke's on us. We asked a couple of weeks ago for you to send us some of your little humorous anecdotes and jokes. I guess I could say this time the joke's on you. And uh, some of you did just that, and I thought I'd share some of them in the closing minutes. I don't think I'm going to get through to all of them, but we'll see what we can get in, and, we'll, and fear not, we will get to all of them. And uh, they're all very different from each other. Here's one from listener Andy that he called uh, the London Farmer and the OPP. Although I have to admit, I think I've heard this joke uh, in another form before. Perhaps it's something to do with the Soviet Union or something. But here's how the, how the, the basic joke goes. Apparently an OPP officer stops at a farm in London and talks with an old farmer. Says to the farmer, hey, I need to inspect your farm for illegally grown drugs. The old farmer says, okay, but don't go in that field over there. And that gets the officer kind of excited. He explodes, saying, look, 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 mister, I've got the authority of the provincial government here with me. So he reaches into his rear pant po pants pocket and removes his badge. And he says, see this badge, he says, proudly displaying it to the farmer. This badge means I'm allowed to go wherever I wish on any land. No questions asked or answers given. Have I made myself clear? Do you understand? Well, the old farmer nods politely, goes about his chores. Of course, a little couple of minutes later, he hears all these loud screams and he spies the OPP officer running for his life. And close behind him is the farmer's bull. And with every step, that bull is gain gaining ground on the officer who is te clearly terrified. Also, the old farmer figures he's going to help him out. He says, hey, throws down his tools, runs to the fence and yells at the top of his lungs, your badge, your badge, show him your badge. <laughs> well, that'll, get, that'll stop that bull, eh? Here's one from listener Chad, who sent this one to us. I thought this was a great one. And uh, basically, this is a joke about uh, why did the chicken cross the road, and uh, as it would be answered by various different uh, individuals, okay? And here are just a few of them. Why did the chicken cross uh, the road? And this is how Colin Powell might answer that question. Now, to the left of the screen, you can clearly see the satellite image of the chicken crossing the road. How did the chicken cross the road? Bill Clinton might answer, I did not cross the road with that chicken. What's your definition of crossing? <laughs> Al Gore, how, did, how would Al Gore answer that question, why did the chicken cross the road? Well, I invented the chicken. <laughs> or uh, John Kerry, how, how, why did the chicken cross the road? Quote, although I voted to let the chicken cross the road, I'm now against it. It was the wrong road to cross, and I was misled about the chicken's intentions. I am not for it now, and will remain against it. Al Sharpton, why did the chicken cross the road? Why are all the chickens white? We need some black chickens. Oprah, why did the chicken cross the road? 
Well, I understand that the chicken is having problems, which is why he wants to cross the, this road so bad. So instead of having the chicken learn from his mistakes and take falls, which is part of life, I'm going to give this chicken a car so that he can just drive across the road and not live his life like the rest of the chickens. <laughs> Anderson Cooper of CNN, why did the chicken cross the road? Well, we have reason to believe there is a chicken, but we have not yet been allowed to have access to the other side of the road. Nancy Grace, why did the chicken cross the road? That chicken crossed the road because he's guilty. You can see it in his eyes and the way he walks. Pat Buchanan, why did the chicken cross the road? To steal the job of decent, hard-working Americans. <laughs> That's why the chicken crossed the road. Dr. Seuss, why did the chicken cross the road? Did the chicken cross the road? Did he cross it with a toad? Yes, the chicken crossed the road, but why it crossed, I've not been told. Ernest Hemingway, why did the chicken cross the road? <laughs> to die in the rain, alone. <laughs> Jerry Falwell, why did the chicken cross the road? Because that chicken was gay. Can't you people see the plain truth? That's why they call it the other side. Yes, my friends, that chicken is gay, and if you eat that chicken, you will become gay too. I say we boycott all chickens until we sort out this abomination that the liberal media whitewashes with seemingly harmless phrases like the other side. That chicken should not be crossing the road. It's as plain and simple as that. And Grandpa, why did the chicken cross the road? In my day, we didn't ask why the chicken crossed the road. Somebody told us the chicken crossed the road, and that was good enough. Aristotle, why did the chicken cross the road? It is the nature of chickens to cross the road. John Lennon, why did the chicken cross the road? Imagine all the chickens in the world crossing together in peace. Albert Einstein, why did the chicken cross the road? Did the chicken really cross the road, or did the road move beneath the chicken? And finally, Colonel Sanders, why did the chicken cross the road? Oh, did I miss one? <laughs> and of course, I've got one more that was donated by our own CHRW station manager, Grant Stein, which was uh, a joke from the old uh, Cold War days. And this one says, why did the Russian chicken cross the road? Well, of course, to take over the other side. <laughs> and that's it for today, folks. have to leave it there and hope you'll join us again on our show next week when we'll continue our journey in the right direction. Until then, be right, do right, act right, stay right, and think right. Take care. We'll see you then. Color into black and white Under the bedclothes Everything will be anybody, anybody get any new tattoos recently? Any new tattoos? Because my next door neighbor got these Chinese letters They make like a circle around his arm And he's a dumbass So I, uh, <laughs> that's a nice way to put it so I said, hey man, what's that stand for? That looks really cool He said, uh, I don't know But the guy at the tattoo parlor told me it's really philosophical <laughs> Yeah, because that's the guy you should trust with your philosophy, because when he's not working in his crystal meth lab, he's studying Confucius at home. You should trust with your philosophy, because when he's not working in his crystal meth lab, he's studying Confucius at home.